Hey, it's Will Actually, and yeah, of course I have a podcast. Welcome to All the King's Voices, where I interview your favorite drag kings about performance, identity, and what it means to be a king. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, and if you're not, head over to YouTube and do that so you can actually see your favorite performers uh, on the screen. But if you uh, just want to listen to the podcast, you can find us on whatever podcast channel you are using, whatever podcast app. Just make sure that you go over and rate and review us so that other people can find the podcast. So today's guest is Dean Demonic, and he is the universe's Dean Winchester. He's the shapeshifter of the Twin Cities. This kilted king can slip his skin at his own whim. Even though most of his drag is based around the supernatural world of Dean Winchester, he is more than a one-trick pony. A member of Dragged Out and the Midnight Minxes, he is the Hufflepuff who's punk as fuck. All right, so welcome, Dean Demonic. Hi there, I am Dean Demonic. I am the shapeshifter of the Twin Cities, a Jensen Ackles impersonator, and this universe's Dean Winchester. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, so for the uninitiated, what does all of that mean? <laughs> all of, what all of that means is a shapeshifter of the Twin Cities. I obviously perform out of the Twin Cities, and what I kind of became known for was my very realistic interpretation of various character since I consider myself more of a male impersonator and less of a drag king that tends to fluctuate more towards realism. So that was the direction I was going. And in Supernatural, there are creatures called shapeshifters. And that's just kind of where I took that. So shapeshifter of the Twin Cities. I, I do a lot of Jensen Ackles impersonating. So throw that in there. And I just ended up kind of adopting the this, this universe's Dean Winchester because even in the show, they, they play with the idea of many different universes where all the same people exist in each universe, but their lives are still different. Mm -hmm. So that's what I consider myself when it comes to my character and my drag persona. Awesome. Okay, so that gives us a whole bunch of things to jump into. But um, oh, so let's, uh, let's start just by talking a little bit about like, how you got into this. When did you become a drag king or a male impersonator? How did you find this crazy world? Well, I, I stumbled across it a couple years ago. It was November 2017. It was when Spikey Van Dyke had been interviewed and did their little, I think it was with Elle. Uh -huh. And there was talking about that. So that was the first time I was really introduced to drag kings at all. And I started looking into their videos and just became really intrigued by that type of performing. I'd been a performer here in the cities and other areas for a very long time, but I'd never done drag. And one of my other performer friends told me about a local troupe we have here and about when they perform. So I went and saw them. It was one of the best things I'd ever seen when it came to live performing and ended up being able to do like a guest spot with them and become their stage stud, as well as with a couple other other shows in the area where I just really wanted to help out, yeah. get a chance to perform every so often because I was like, oh, this is just kind of fun. I have other performing that I'm doing, but this is nice and I like to do it every so often. So that was where I got my start was just helping out doing the stage handling and things like that and getting a chance to perform every so often. I love it. So uh, when you say you were uh, another performer, like what kind of performances were you doing or are you still doing? I was a, well, I've been a 
variety, I guess, performer for a long time. I started with Valley Scare doing haunt performing. And then from there, I worked up into being a street performer for them where I roamed all the streets and interacted with people in various ways. And I started that with doing a canine cadaver, which was this rotting dog corpse. So it was very much like theater in the round of just constantly being on your toes. You're constantly on a stage all the time. Mm -hmm. That was where I started. There I went to um, Renaissance festivals and I was doing exotic animal performing. And I did that for a while where I worked with snakes and my raven for a really long time. And I traveled a little bit performing with my raven. Uh Then from there, I stayed with the Renaissance, but I changed up my act and I was Boop the Unicorn. And Boop is a baby unicorn that is a quad suit. So I look like a real horse, real unicorn as I'm out there. And I did that for four years. But then drag had kind of come in and it got to the point where my drag was doing more and just becoming bigger than any of my other performing. So I took a step back from my Renaissance performing and started pursuing drag more. I love it. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about drag. So you, you say that you're more of a, uh, like a male illusionist, male impersonator than a drag (laughs) king. What does that mean Uh to you? Well, the male impersonators I feel are the ones who strive for realistic looks. We're much more subdued. We're not as heavily painted. I know that's where a lot of drag kings started was with the male impersonators and then just as time went on and styles diverged people started kind of breaking away because we have kings like you know damien deluxe and vaude sinclair land insider who have just you know very very bold loud vibrant looks where you see them walking around the street you're like that is a performer <laughs> there's no thoughts about it where if you see me and dean walking around on the street yeah. you have to double you have to double look. You're not going to assume I'm a performer. And that's what I like. I've in all of my performing have always strove or strive to be as realistic as I can. And that has just come into my drag where there's times I've played around. I've tried to have bigger looks and I'm just like, I just don't, I don't have it. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not how I'm going to tell my stories. So that's why I look at myself like I'm a male impersonator. Mm-hmm. I want to look like I just walked out of the crowd and they're like, why are they performing? But I'm performing drag. I'm lip syncing. I'm doing all the emotional work. I still bring in some elements of drag into my visual looks from time to time. Like I'll still use rhinestones and glitter here and there, but I'm very selective about it because it just doesn't always fit my look Mm -hmm. because I also have a set a very different audience because of my fandom and because of supernatural where they've actually come to me and be like, we don't like when you do sparkly Dean. I'm like, I know. I know you guys don't like when I do sparkly Dean and then I have burlesque drag and they're like, we want you to be more visual big. I'm like, I know, but that's not Dean. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so interesting. Especially, you know, it's, it's funny because when I, um, so when I started drag, I started in burlesque. So I was Uh like, I, even though, uh, my looks tend to be more natural and subdued, my costumes tend to be a little bit sparklier and I tend towards the like rhinestones and jazz hands, uh, version of drag. Right. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's funny because so many of the Kings who I started performing with when I left the burlesque and went into the drag scene, don't see like rhinestones and jazz hands up until I think really in the last couple of years, it really seems to have like blown up. But that seems to be like a newer 
way in, I think. It is, as well as it has a lot to do with where you're performing, where you are, and what your community is. Here in the Twin Cities, we have a very heavy drag and burlesque community that coexists and has a tendency to, like, cross over a lot. I see us here having a lot more kings doing clothing removals than you wear or other places when I've traveled. So I think that makes a big difference, too, on just your local community. But, yeah, yeah kings have started stepping up and being more painted, more, more elaborate costumes than what they've been in the past. Yeah. And it's especially interesting with like Instagram and stuff and, and the Facebook groups. And it seems like because those are such visual mediums, as opposed to the stage where you can really, you know, maybe tell a story without having to paint as much, right? Um, You have more room to play, I feel like. (laughs) Well, and I tend to think of myself a lot as like a visual storyteller, especially through my drag, whether I'm on stage, it does tend to be a bit more of a theatrical type of show you'll see when you're doing my numbers, as well as when I do my photo sets, I'm still trying to tell a story in some way, shape or form. Oh yeah, I was going to say your photo sets are intense. <laughs> the ones that yes. you've, you've posted recently uh, were, were yeah. content warning, but uh, like really elaborate and incredibly like thought through. You know, yeah, just just telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, so what what kind of like drives you towards this this form of storytelling that you can't do maybe as boop or you know like in other forms, right? It's fandom based. Where I was never really a cosplayer before, I just didn't care too much for it. I like creating my own characters and had my own stuff. So. Like Boop was out there working and performing. And Boop was also a lot of work. Boop is hard. Boop is like Cirque du Soleil level of puppetry type of stuff. It's physically hard. I'm outside. Financially, it's worth it for me. I made a lot of money doing it. And I made people really happy. But it was emotionally incredibly hard and taxing. Mm. Physically, it was really hard on my body. And it also just wasn't going anywhere. So Boop is very like... Boop is what Boop is. He's a cute, cuddly unicorn that you can come up and hug and pet and maybe talk to for a minute and then you go on your way. There's nowhere to grow with him. And for me, growth is always everything, which is why drag is great because you can make something, throw it out there somewhere and be done with it and never have to do it again. Or you can build and build and build. And that's kind of how fandom is too, where I'm a part of the supernatural fandom. We create fan art, we create fan fiction, you know, we create music videos, all this type of stuff. And it's creation, 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 creation. And that's what my drag is. And with Dean, Dean being an established character already, he has a world that he comes from. So I can create canon content. I can create my own content. I can create content based off of what other people have done, like fan art and replicate it. Or I can create drag pieces inspired by fan fiction people have written. So my drag is a give and take with my fandom community that everybody else gets to see. Because what I'm doing is I'm just creating some other type of fan art. It's like performance fan art. Yeah. And then I just have no put It just became, it's just through drag. That's awesome. So... And this is a question that I always see like come up in like uh, Facebook groups and stuff. And I'd love your take on this. So what's the difference here between cosplay and drag? I think the difference between cosplay and drag comes down to the performing aspect where not saying when people aren't cosplaying, they're not performing on some level. But I mean, it's not the same. They're getting there. They may strike a few poses and do pictures, but you're talking to the cosplayer. They're 
they're not out there on a stage telling a story as well as I think cosplayers have learned and adapted a lot from drag Mm. and they've started to be able to come better because of drag performers starting to learn those makeup techniques. They're learning a lot of like padding techniques or packing. They're learning how to do wig work that I think is getting, I think there's a little bit of to and from between the two communities, but I think they've learned about it all from drag and then ran with it and started doing more. But I've always never really been one who'd like to be called a cosplayer. It's just now kind of come with the territory of what I do. Yeah. But I think what comes down to most is the, just the performing aspect that just because you put on the costume doesn't mean you're performing. Sure. Sure. That makes total sense. Yeah. So so you're a member then of, of different communities, right? You've got the drag community. Yes. You mentioned there's also a little bit of crossover with the burlesque world. And then there's also the fandom. So tell me a little bit about like each community and how you interact and how Dean interacts or if there's a difference between those two things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'd say all my different communities at this part is like I have Renaissance community a little bit kind of off to the side, but I do kind of do some of my drag stuff over there, but they're my family. They've seen me grow. They see me grow through my performing and see me kind of change and adapt to where I am now. So my drag doesn't take as much part over there, but myself as a person, that's my community. Then I have the supernatural community, which is kind of broken off into supernatural fandom. And then the Destiel community, which is my main one that I'm a part of. Okay. That's where a lot of my art goes and where, where my art is for, as well as things between myself and my, my husband had a lot to do with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have the drag and burlesque community, which are to me kind of similar little subsects performing community on stage there. And then I have the ACE and agender community, which I do a lot of advocating for and how I've interacted with each of them and how they've kind of impacted is drag or the supernatural and Destiel is what fuels me. Yeah. That's really what keeps me creating, keeps me putting out more content. I'm, I think I'm kind of the same in all the communities. My, my Dean persona on Facebook is kind of just how I am <laughs> as a person for yeah. the most part. Yeah. I've had some changing because of losing my husband and that made me change in different ways to where I've just kind of like as I am as Dean now so I don't think Dean in either community changes how I am it just what I give out to them like with the ace community Mm -hmm. I do a lot of advocating try to be a really loud representative of them because in a lot of queer spaces ace is still not readily acceptable yeah um it's of them find it hard to speak up. Um, there's been some issues at my local pride regarding like Ace being there. So whenever I'm there, I'm like wearing my colors, being really big and loud about it. When I do perform there, I always do an Ace number. For them, I kind of like to think about being that Dean is like a shield for them. Mm-hmm. If I'm big and I'm loud enough, then they're still getting represent like represented. But as well as if someone has anything to say, yeah. they can come to me willingly putting myself out there Great. um with my local community 
it's um it's only something I've been in for about the past two years. Like I said, I didn't find it until 2017. And it's interesting. It's interesting working your way into a new community and finding who you are in it and what you want to be doing. A lot of it for me is I just like being really helpful. I love performing and I love doing shows, yeah. but whenever there's a new one that comes up, I just kind of like to jump in and be like, who needs help with stagehand stuff? Who needs help with this and that? And it's a really great community to be a, be a part of. We are really lucky here to have so many of us that really support each other and have so much talent and shows going on. So yeah, a lot of us, I just like to help everyone out. And I'm lucky enough to be a part of two troops out here, which is great. But yeah, I just try to be a good, helpful person in my community. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And once all of this pandemic stuff is over, I'm dying to come out and visit because it seems like the drag out there and the burlesque is like so good. <laughs> we were lucky. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about being a part of a troop too? Um, I know that uh, every troop is different. Everybody's got like different goals and, you know, do you like do group numbers or like, what does it mean to be a part of a troop? And what is it? What has your experience been like? I feel really lucky to be a part of a troop. I honestly never thought it would be anything that would happen. When I first started, I was really like, I'm just kind of happy to be here. I don't ever see myself being a part of a troop. I've always been one to kind of avoid being a part of groups and just doing things a bit more singular. Mm -hmm. But it was really nice to have somewhere that wanted you to be there. And that was that was really nice to feel that a lot of these very talented performers wanted me to be a part of them as well. And the first one I got accepted into is Dragged Out. And we we have such a good time together. I always enjoy getting to see everyone. Most often than not, we see each other at other shows as well. We don't do a whole lot of group numbers. They put out the ideas, and if people want to, they they jump on them. I don't like doing group numbers, so I'm like, I'm in a group. That's that's good for me. <laughs> I don't need to do the numbers because also my my look and my style those tend to verge a little bit differently than everyone else's, and it's hard for me to try and kind of collaborate on group things just because everything I do is is so niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to just kind of be like, I'm here, hooray, but I won't do any group stuff. <laughs> but it's great, great levels of support. I've been able to learn a lot as well as just I love watching everyone's growth. And it's great to have somewhere to go every month mm. and feel that sense of belonging. And that's a big part of it for me. So that's that's dragged out. And then the second one is Midnight Minxes. And Midnight Minxes is a newer troupe. They're... They, they they went at it from a different way. They were a group of cosplayers who got interested in burlesque okay. and built through. Got it. So I got brought into that by one of my friends, Phoenix. And her and I, I think, were the only ones in the troupe who started on the opposite route and went the other way. So it's, it's a very interesting um, combination of skill sets because we have some we have people who are like these amazing cosplayers but haven't had classes or knowledge or anything within the community of burlesque but they want to mm -hmm. and then you have others who are like we've been doing the drag or burlesque performing you know the community but we're starting to do a bit more with cosplay so it's a really 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 well blended troupe i've really enjoyed getting to be a part of them we're still really really young but it's been a great 
It's been a great show to do. I'm the only king on the troop, which is which is fun. It's nice to kind of have that variety thrown in <laughs> there. So it's I've been very, very, very grateful to get a chance to be a part of different groups here in the cities. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a super fun troop too. <laughs> so. it is. We have a lot of fun when we're when we're together. Yeah. So do you so do you guys mostly then do numbers based on cosplay and different fandoms, different universes and things like that? Or they have sometimes themed shows. Okay. And love that. Or it's just you're doing cosplay burlesque style, which majority of myself is that. A majority of myself is me being Dean. Right. <laughs> Like most of the time, I'm either Dean Priestley or Daryl. Very often, am I just Dean Demonic? <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. So, uh, I have like so many questions. Okay, so uh, first thing I guess I would ask then. So, like, what what is Dean to you? Like, why why Dean? Why this character? Why why this persona? We'll start there, and then we'll branch from branch off from that. <laughs> I ask myself that that question a lot. I'm still trying to figure out my connection with Dean. I started watching Supernatural a few years ago, was really didn't know anything about the fandom or the show. I just started watching it. By the time I was about the middle of it, I'm like, okay, I'm invested in this. I'd like to watch it with my husband. So when I finished it, we turned around and then he started watching it. And it was around that time when he first started watching it that I got, that I started doing drag. My first drag show was competition show two numbers, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I was, when I first started drag, I wanted to go in a very different direction. I wanted to do kind of like a good old boy, Northern country boy type of thing. Cause that was just kind of what I wanted to do. And I didn't, I didn't really know anything about drag or where it was going. I was just trying something new, Yeah. but I couldn't write a song. And there is in season four, there's an episode where at the end of it, Jensen does I, the tiger, dance thing that was all behind scenes and then they put it on there and they showed the fans so I was like oh well I'm like I can do that that's something I could at least mimic and go from there and it got a really good response and people really liked what I did so I'm like okay well I guess I'll do that again (laughs) and it just kind of kept going and then I found the fandom and found more fan fiction and fan art and then we kind of discovered Destiel and it literally just kind of kept snowballing Mm -hmm. to where Dean is what I do now and Dean as a character on the show is a lot of what I would like to be as a person Mm. so it's a lot of trying to just be those factors or be emulate him all that stuff to how I feel like being a better person So that's why I'm drawn to him on that level, as well as Supernatural is a really big world. There's a lot of stories that can be told. Dean as a character, Jensen is very, very good at portraying him emotionally, as well as he's got really good humor. Dean is really funny. Jensen likes a lot of outfits and costumes. He's very extra that way. Mm -hmm. So Dean always has a whole lot of different. So it's a lot of stuff for me to replicate. And I just learned through going through drag. I'm very good at impersonating. I'm very good at mimicking. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there to mimic as well as there's things where they're like a little snippet and then I can expand on it and make it more and make it bigger. He's a character that's well known. There's a really big fandom. Nobody else was really like doing him, doing him. And I wasn't planning on doing him, doing him. It just kind of fit. 
and just kept going. And I've done other characters, but they all have like one song. Daryl has one number. Klaus has one number. Priestley has two. My Hufflepuff has like one. And it was never a deliberate choice. It was just how things organically grew. So I just kind of let it, let it happen. I love that. So what is a drag king to you? <laughs> um, I think years ago, that would have been a much easier question to answer, yep. where now everything <laughs> is so much more layered. I think a drag king is flamboyantly over-exaggerating masculinity. Okay. And so then what is masculinity? I'm just going to throw the hard questions at you. <laughs> what is masculinity will depend and vary from person to person. I do tend to look at things in a bit more of a stereotypical masculine light. But to me, masculinity are... The things that we think about that make men have edges and like hardness where femininity is what we think about that gives women curves. Yeah. So it's not the mental idea. Like for me, when I think about masculinity, I think of like leather, boots, canvas, rough things. Yeah. And those to me are masculine, but those might be a neutral item to someone else. But Yeah. Interesting. I like, I like the, um, I like thinking about that in terms of like hardness versus curves, which, um, when I teach burlesque, a lot of that is about like, you know, when you're teaching like femme burlesque, like making sure that your body has lots of S shapes, you know, <laughs> to, to be as curvy. As well, people, people often comment my movement when I'm doing different characters. And I'm like, yeah, that's a huge part of when you're portraying masculinity or femininity. And like when I'm walking like Dean, Dean is that masculine character. So I have to put that out there. So it's like, you know, square off your shoulders. Everything is sharp. Everything is edged and putting that out there. And there's people are like, well, that's not, you know, again, what is, what does masculine mean? It's like, it means something different to everyone, Yep. but, <laughs> but in this case, yeah, but in this case, masculine means like, you know, force, strength, hard edges. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of like your own sense of self-identity and how, uh, you know, because you, you've mentioned, uh, I think a couple times that like, even though you speak of Dean in the third person, there's also a lot of overlap with just you. <laughs> yep. So how do you see Dean overlapping with your own identity, whether that's like just self-identity, whether that's sexual identity, whether that's gender identity, et cetera? Well, it's hard with sexual identity because I am ace. Yep. And Dean's sexual identity is up for debate. Okay. A lot of people will say that he's bisexual. He is based off a bisexual character and the, the creator has made comments here and there that Dean is not exactly a straight man. So there's, there's differences there. Um, when I think of Dean and myself as Dean, mm -hmm. I, I like to go back to the idea of the multiple universes mm -hmm. and the, the other universes out there. So Dean, Dean, who's on the show is, you know, the original universe Dean to me. He is a separate figure from myself. And then when I think of myself as Dean, I don't even think I'm becoming that Dean. Mm -hmm. I'm becoming my own Dean that functions separately in this universe. I may look like him, but everything, like there's still differences. There's things about him that I 
that are similar, just like there would be with everything else, but there are still some key differences. So to me, in my mind, there are two different deans. There's Canon Dean, Mm -hmm. who is the dean, and then there's me, sad little shapeshifter who just wants to be dean and just (laughs) trying to do damn best to be like their big brother. And that's how I, Dean's my older brother, and that's what I'm trying to emulate. I like that. That's a cool metaphor. <laughs> so how, how do you um, explore being ace through drag? Like, what does that mean, especially like you're doing an ace number at Pride? I don't really use it to explore it because I know what my asexuality is. I do it to kind of announce it and to kind of like put down a war flag. <laughs> <laughs> I do it as a challenge. Okay. What does that look really- like? Oh, I have really aggressive ace numbers. My my numbers that I do on Pride, like I've broken the stage one time while I was doing um. I always have a tendency <laughs> to get bloody during it. There's always shirts that get ripped, and like there's always something involving like a really big brazen like ace flag. Like it's one of those things. Like I will not be quiet because you choose to not understand me and my sexuality. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you wish people understood? Um, or what is it that, uh, people are, you know, in what ways do you feel silenced, especially coming out as ace or talking about being ace in uh, a world where it, I mean, that is definitely a term that doesn't get thrown around a lot in, even in LGBTQIA plus, et cetera, communities. I guess me, myself, I don't have any experience with feeling silent because I just kind of don't let that happen. I know I come across with a really big, strong energy that people either just kind of like feel like it's not worth arguing with or they just don't take it up with me. But I know I've used that in times other people have felt silenced. So I'm proactively loud (laughs) about it and have yet to personally have people deal with me in a problematic matter but I also know visually I don't come off exactly as somebody who's going to take a lot of shit yeah which is good (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it so um in terms of gender identity too because obviously there's differences between sexual identity gender identity etc how do you explore that if you do it all through dean I do through drag because I'm agender okay and I had someone the other day ask me a question where they're like, how can you, how can you, or how is what you do drag if you're a gender? And I'm like, that doesn't have any, drag doesn't have anything to do with gender though. So first off, but I am a gender, which it's a lack of gender, Mm -hmm. just like asexuality. It's a lack of sexuality. This is a lack of gender. So for me, I was presenting very for a very, very, very long time in a very high femme way because I had a lot of um, personal viewpoints that this was the body I was given. This is how people expect me to look with it. This is what they want it to look like. So that's what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. even though my default is visually more like Dean Winchester. It is much more of that heavy, hard masculine. But for a long time, I veered away from it because I'm like, I didn't feel a certain way about dressing feminine I just was like this is what people expect from me so this is what I'm gonna do I feel that so and hard. <laughs> exactly and it wasn't until I started doing drag where I was back in those other clothes that it was just kind of like I don't feel like a doll anymore and I feel like I can move and I don't feel like I'm made of china and I wish my face looked like that. Like I felt like I looked like an adult for the first time where before I felt like I still looked like a child. 
Interesting. And my, my husband, he didn't have any problem with it. He liked me. However, I looked, it didn't matter to him. And it wasn't until after he passed away that I started more exploring the agender, just because you learn, you learn about new terms, but it's always kind of like, I don't feel like either of it. I didn't know what it's supposed to feel like to feel like a woman. Yeah. I didn't know what it's supposed to feel like to feel like a man. I'm just a gender. Yeah. And that brings up other kind of components as well. Cause if you're not any gender, then how do you romantically connect? Like, cause asexuality lack of that, but within asexual in the, within the sec- asexual community, we have like homo romantic, hetero romantic, pan romantic. And I'm like, I can't even use that because I'm a gender and I don't have a gender. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would kind of go back to I'm ace, like straight up ace, ace, but then I'm, masculine romantic sure that makes sense (laughs) but definitely getting a chance to shift between my shapes i feel that that would kind of almost be along lines with a shapeshifter because shapeshifters are going to constantly be shifting and they how i best explain it to people is when they ask me about pronouns so i'm like i don't actually like pronouns because i don't feel like i'm anything i just prefer dean but if you need to use a pronoun for me use whatever visually i look like if i look like if I'm in my surreal skin, obviously call me she, her, because that's who I am at the moment. If I'm in a Dean skin, call me he, him. It's very much about who I'm take who 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 I I am at that point. Even with Boop, Boop's a boy, and I'm like, you know, Boop is a boy unicorn. Right. So please address him as such. It's just about assuming whatever skin I'm in at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I always, uh, people get so confused uh, with me as well when I'm in Will. They're like, what, what should I call you? They, she, he. I'm like, well, I'm Will, and Will's a he, so do yeah. what you will. But when I'm out of Will, I don't know, pick one. <laughs> what are you feeling today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be, and it can be hard. Um, but I definitely, I, I, I feel you on that, especially around the idea of like, you know, I, I grew up in a very um, image-heavy, very, like, heteronormative area where, like, we were super liberal and tolerant, so, like, it's cool to be gay, just not you, you know? Um, that kind of thing. Uh, and, like, there were really no, I mean, no conversations, at least in the world that I inhabited, about transness or non-binariness or agenderness or asexuality. Like, none of that existed. And so it was just like, well, I'm supposed to look like a woman. I'm really bad at it. I'm going to work really hard to do that because I guess that's what I'm supposed to do based on the anatomy I was given, right? And, like, drag was such a moment of, like, oh, shit. (laughs) You know? Like, you look in the mirror and you're just like, oh, that's what what that could look like? Okay, cool. I'll, uh, I'm going to run with this for a little while. Anyone mind? No? Okay, cool. (laughs) I still struggle a lot with the fact that underneath all the layers of like flannel and denim and canvas like I still have a very feminine body I was a stripper for tons of years and that I had to maintain my body looking a certain way for that yeah and I can do high femme really really easy and I used to do a lot of pinup because I'm like people like it when I do it Mm -hmm. I'm very like attention-based and companion-based person and also being more interested in like masculine men they like things looking a certain way so I'm like okay well I don't get the attention I like if I look like that like if I'm wearing boots and denim and being masculine but if I look way then I do 
So there was a lot of that throughout my life and then being a stripper. So even now I struggle that if I'm becoming somewhat more involved with somebody mm-hmm. and they start to show interest, there's a part of me that's like, okay, and now you have to start dressing feminine again. Otherwise they won't like, you're almost like you're tricking them. And I'm like, but I don't want to be like that. And it's so ingrained and it's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I feel that it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you mind talking a little bit about um, kind of how you maybe incorporate some of the stuff you learned uh, while being a stripper in terms of dancing or movement? Um, however, you know, whatever level of comfortability you have. Um, but I'd love to hear how that informs drag if it does at all. I'm really comfortable talking about it. It's been in my life for 13 years. I, I've been surreal the longest. I would say, though, that there might not be a whole lot of overlap. Because I had like stripping, it's moving so femininely. Mm-hmm. That's just not how Dean moves. Yeah. <laughs> and not he can't. Right. But that's just not my, that's not an accurate portrayal of him. And that's what I'm trying to do. So it's a struggle for me, actually. Okay. It's hard. I have to focus really hard to make sure that what I'm on stage and doing strip tile numbers, that I'm not falling back into these years of body memory motions, Mm. that I'm fighting it to keep moving in a highly masculine manner. So it actually sometimes is like, it makes it harder (laughs) not fall back into that. But I have a lot of people on Facebook who enjoy seeing Surreal, which is fun. They just like seeing her as another part of my skin to the point where some people have written fan fictions about like her and Dean, which are a lot of fun because they portray them as brother and sister. And that's always a really good time. So I like bringing, I like bringing her out. I like bringing that side out. I mean, there is one act I'm working on that will be specifically for Surreal and it'll be like a burlesque number. Cool. But I would, I wouldn't say stripping in and of itself has really done much, you know, for my drag. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's interesting. I'm actually, uh, my next call is with somebody who incorporates some of their, uh, their stripping into their drag. So I'm just, I'm so, I'm always so like blown away how, uh, even people who are trained in the same styles of dance or like who come from similar backgrounds or whatever, how everyone incorporates it differently to build this character that is whoever their king is, you know? Now there's been some fan art people have done of Dean stripping and I've kind of like, I've gone to the strip club and told my manager, like, I'm going to go do some weird shit for a minute, like gone there before we open and I'll go on stage in Dean and I've recorded videos of me stripping as Dean and photos and sent that to the community. But that's almost more of just like a use of resources Mm -hmm. where I've done to make some of these things happen. I've brought Dean to the strip club, but it's still completely separate from surreal. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. So when you are kind of thinking about building an act, like, mm-hmm. do you start from the like place of impersonation or do you like have like, oh, here's a thing I've always wanted to do or like this is a storyline I'd like to create or is it just every every act is its own creation? My acts are very organic. A lot of it is first inspired by music. If I'm driving and a song comes on and then I can kind of like see it in your mind's eye, my home stage Mm -hmm. and me moving around it to the music in an outfit. And if that's kind of what starts it, then I can build on that. 
or something that's happened. Like right now I'm actually refining an act and completely redoing it. Uh Originally it was based around Dean being younger and him discovering his love for pink panties. And it was, it was an act that was fun and it was cute, but it didn't have a whole lot of, it was just kind of there. It was very lacking. Okay. And I didn't know what to do with it. But then recently I read this fan fiction that is very well known in our community called like satin and sawdust. And it's about like basically Dean's a construction worker who helps with home projects, finds out that he likes wearing pink panties and there's just more to it. They elaborated on that situation. And I ended up photo shoot of that with me and like, you know, you know, um, handyman type of stuff with the pink panties peeking out in the back, like all that kind of stuff. And that went crazy. So now I'm like, okay, let's, let's rethink this. Let's drop the concept of Dean, young Dean with his panties. And let's, let's pick it up from this fan fiction right here. This has more, this has more to it. This has more context. It's going to hit home with more people as well as that would still be fun to the stage. People don't have to know the backstory to see this very stereotypical, highly masculine figure who then strips down to these tiny pink panties. I'm like, that is, no one needs to know the story for that to be entertaining. Right. So sometimes, sometimes it's a big blending yeah. of different inspirations. Most of the time it does come from a song building, but sometimes I'm able to pull from fan fiction and fan art. Or even the episode. There's some canon ones that I'm doing that are straight from the episode that I'm bringing to life on stage. So, yeah. And I love, I love that you're also thinking through your audience's reaction. Like, um, I know, especially with, um, you know, uh, I do a lot of like nerdlesque shows and stuff like that because the, you know, people don't know what to do with kings. So when you're in burlesque, they're like, that's nerd. It's nerd. It's not, it's not classic. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah. You're in the boy less competition. I'm like, why? <laughs> I can't take my clothes off now, too. Fuck. Because yep. now I'm in the boy competition because I'm a king. Yep. <laughs> so, like, thanks for changing my whole number. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, but thinking through your audience can be really important, especially if you're not in a specifically, like, cosplay nerd-lesque situation right where your audience may not have that backstory I think for a lot of performers it's like well I care so much about this specific story and I need this to get across and then your audience is like yeah I I just came here for the sparkles I don't know what to tell you (laughs) well with that it's funny because when I first started and I was doing Dean almost nobody in my community had watched Supernatural at all they were just like well you can't just do that one character, blah, blah, blah. This And I'm like, well, you don't know that yet, but okay. And I've had so many people now who started watching Supernatural because of my acts. Because they're like, we see you doing it all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's all I do. But they're like, but we want to understand it now. And we want to see what it is about this show and this character that drives you so much. So I've been able to like bring people in to where now they do understand my acts. So I'm having people watched all my acts, didn't understand them, now watching the show and being able to make those parallels, which is which is a lot of fun. That's so cool. So it really is like a community interplay at that point. It's not just like, you know, I'm here, I'm going to do an act, never see these people again. Like, people are coming back now to see you because they're invested in the art that you're making. Well, and that's even other performers. That's so other cool. performers just kind of like, we don't know what you're doing and we need to understand it. <laughs> 
That's so fun. But the best part is majority of my fan base is all online. Mm-hmm. I do have fans who are in person, but most of people who enjoy what I do are all online. I have a really good online following, which is nice, but that's because of supernatural and fan fiction and fandom. So sometimes there's acts I want to do specifically for them. Mm-hmm. And then I have to rethink it. I'm like, okay, well, how will the, will this interpret on stage in the first place? Right. Second, will audience care? Is it too long? And I go through all this stuff. And sometimes it turns into a, a photo op, like my, my torture one. Yeah. Originally, their concept was supposed to be me and my friend who did the torturing was supposed to be an onstage number. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, this is not going to come through the way I want it to. I want to really make a statement with this. Mm-hmm. This has to be a photo shoot to do what I want. This has to be a video. This will not translate on stage. Yeah. And that's also another smart way of thinking through your different audiences, right? Like, how is this going to translate and who is this for even, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So if you're thinking about like, okay, so there are probably drag king wannabes out there, right? Who are not sure. Oh, we've had a perfect drag babies lately, haven't we? Oh my God. So many. And especially now that we're all online, it's so, it's like an explosion, right? So many. (laughs) So what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about wanting to become a king or wanting to kind of enter kinging through the cosplay lens or like what, what is it that you wish you had known when you started? Don't be afraid to experiment with things, but also just really do whatever it is you're going to do for yourself. Because if you're having fun with what you do, you're going to do it. You're going to perform better. You're going to be more invested. And then your, your people who are going to like what you're going to do are going to find you eventually. There was some acts I did before that I wanted to do them. And as I was was trying to build them, like it just wasn't happening. And I was just like, why am I even trying for this? There's been a lot of acts I've just done just to do. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy with them. Sometimes they were a waste of money. I invested money in things I didn't need. I never did the act again, where whenever I would start deviating too much from my core from Dean, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really happy. Yeah. So just do it to literally make yourself happy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That seems to be one of the the things that comes up a lot in these forums, right? Is like, well, am I doing it right? Am I doing, you know, is my makeup good enough? Is my costume good enough? Is my act good enough? And it's like, well, but are you enjoying any of this? Like if it's just frustrating you and you're spending a ton of money and you're just trying to make other people happy for some people that is really what they want and that does make them happy. But at, at its core, right? Like, are you doing the thing that you came here? Well, and I would also say like <laughs> a bit of advice, which is going to be like, it's like hard truth advice. And what I've heard other performers say, you know, not everyone's ever going to be a headliner. Sure. And stage time. Don't take it that it's a right. Take it as that it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And, you may you may find getting into drag, you may enjoy it, but just like everybody is not a good cook, not everybody is a good performer. And if you find that being yourself, don't get upset, don't get discouraged. You can still enjoy doing drag without having to be a big, well-known name. That's not what it's about. 
Amen. <laughs> I want to put that on a poster, right? <laughs> you can still have fun and not have like everyone know who you are or not even have stage time, right? Like I, I see that question a lot. People asking like, well, I don't want to perform, but I want to, I still want to put on drag. Am I a drag king? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. Have fun. It's the king. Yeah. Like we have a uh, Lucius Black who I think, didn't they only do like a handful of shows, but they their Instagram and their photos and everything all the time. I mean, like you can do that. Yeah. Find your medium, find your people and find your bliss, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I found my people and that's, I, you know, I knew what my target was. I knew what I, what I was going for. Yeah. And it just works out. I love it. Well, cool. Well, Thank you so much for your time today. This is, uh, it was so fun to actually talk to you and not just uh, interact. (laughs) Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you liked it, why not rate, review, and subscribe wherever you feel like rating, reviewing, and subscribing. If you want to learn more about today's guests, head over to facebook.com slash kingsvoicespod or check out the comments uh, or the description in the YouTube channel, uh, kingsvoicespod. Uh, There I'll post all the links to everything you want to know about today's guest, and you can find them from there. Uh, If you are interested in becoming a guest yourself, then why not shoot me an email at willxulydrag at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash kingsvoicespod. All right, so that's it for today. And remember, keep your toxic masculinity to yourself, but share your drag with the world.